It's time once again for the greatest podcast this side of the Mississippi. Now with Les Salmonella, the Shufflebox Podcast. Here's your hosts, Alex Big Dog Vallejos and Hugh Hefner Marcelo Crow. Welcome back to the Shovelbox Podcast this week, folks. I'm Alex, the Big Dog Balejos, along with Marcelo, like always. What is going on, everybody? Welcome uh, to this week's show. Welcome to the show, folks. We are coming off of uh, Shufflebox's weekend about town with uh, celebrating Marcelo's birthday down at the uh, Buell Theater. We went to see the ballet Message in a Bottle, uh, who was, I guess it was written and produced and scored by Sting. Uh, from the police, not from uh, the, a, not from not the wrestler. <laughs> We're joking about that. The director and choreographer was Kate Prince. The music and lyrics was uh, was Sting. Um, and then there's a bunch of other. I can read these off script. Music supervisor, new arrangements, Alex Lacamoire. Music producer and arranger, Martin Tereffe. Uh, music co-producer and mixer, Oscar Winberg. Set designer, Ben Stones. Video designer, Andres Golding. Uh, video uh, video designer, I'm sorry, costume designer Anna Fleischel, lighting designer Natasha Chivers, sound designer David McEwen, uh, dramaturg uh, Lolita Chakrabarty OBE, associate choreographer Lucas McFarland, and U.S. general management is Pemberley Productions. I guess it was brought to us by U.S. Bank, <laughs> Sadler's <laughs> Wells, and uh, Universal Music UK. Yeah, and I believe, I don't know if the troupe was uh, Denver Locals, but I'm pretty sure the troupe was from the UK where the uh, ballet starts, or uh, where there's it's act- produced. In the, uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah, in the, I'm actually looking, because... Are you, in, are you reading the, the program? Dancers are from. Yeah, I have the program in front of me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, some of the dancers, let's see, UK, uh, UK, London, South Wales... A lot of these guys are trained in uh, in b boy and pop and locking and hip hop. Um, as we saw, as we saw for sure. Oh, there was tons of that. It was awesome. I mean, we can get into the show in a little yeah, while if you want. Because yeah, you said you wanted it. to bring up something funny that happened, like because we went to go see the ballet, but then we ended up going home. But the next day, you said you went out and you wanted to bring up something. Oh well, yeah. No, I wanted to bring up something of that night though of the the ballet night. Oh yeah, well, let's do it. We'll talk about the ballet here in a second, but let's. Talk around the ballet. We'll make the ballet the main attraction. I suppose. I suppose so. So, um, no. When we were leaving, it was just it was it was funny because uh, it was it was a it was a terrible snowstorm. They pre- they predicted anywhere from an inch or less of snow in the Denver metro area, and we got like two to four inches. And uh, when we were getting out of the out of the theater, it was just awful. Like fog. Yeah. The fog you couldn't see a block ahead the wind was blowing every direction when we were trying to go up streets or go straight on certain streets how we we're like all right let's avoid the wind here and it would just continue to blow on our face yeah like and, no matter uh, what direction we went and then we barely made it to the last light rail just to get back home yeah that was that was great because we thought we still had until like 11 o'clock and then the train conductor was like last you know last uh you know train of the night type of type of message and we're like oh shit we got lucky i'm i'm glad you could hear because i couldn't like it was just it sounded so faint like 
everybody. <laughs> no, it was and then everybody, and then you would just see the stop and like, oh, it's getting off at this stop. But then yeah, everything but... is just like. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we gotta get the hell out of here. Uh, but no, when we were when we were walking in the snow, it was just it was funny because me and you were just doing different song lyrics or making up our own song lyrics. Yeah, to the to, beat of to, "Message in a Bottle." To the beat, the cadence, and the the melody of "Message in a Bottle." <laughs> it was just like we we first off we were cold, so I'm not going to blame the cold as an excuse. But the fact that we had people around us, like, so we me and you dressed we dressed GQ. Me and you were looking fine, right? So yeah. We're we're with a bunch of other refined folks. Minus, uh, we'll get into some of the the ensembles we saw when we were there. But you know, like, oh, cool! Everyone's just we're all a class act leaving, and the me and you're going, I'll send an SOS to your mom, and we're doing all of that like down the street, and then these people around us are probably like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Because we did it all the way to the train <laughs> station, the whole way. <laughs> that was like a good ten to fifteen minutes. It was a, it was more I th- yeah I think it was about fifteen minute walk just because of the cold and yeah and and then we got like away from the theater so now we're just running into like bar folks and like people that are like tractoring out and shoveling snow to clear for the bars for the for the Friday night and we're See, doing that's the same the thing I I don't remember seeing bar folks all I remember seeing was just people like getting out of work and then it was just people shoveling the snow like on the like on the sidewalks they had little atvs and some had shovels i mean i mean there yeah i mean by bar folk i mean there were some folks <laughs> walking in and out of bars it wasn't like lines like you usually see on a friday or saturday usually i mean but there are people walking into bars and stuff but i thought i thought it was great we were trying to make jo- you made a the joke about the blue uh, sushi place and i'm like what the hell are you talking about and then i look up and i'm like oh yeah just we just we were super dry dry humor dummies the whole walk back and i just thought that was pretty fun yeah the um pretty much the the snow was wet but our jokes were dry oh it was shit like that all night like marcelo (laughs) marcelo can give you a stroke by all the dad jokes he tells it's just the worst or the best depending on your mood jokes that there are I've definitely had a few dads say I give him a good stroke with the with uh <laughs> with the joke with the joke <laughs> boo the um yeah the one thing that it, it was just it was a fun night it sucked because like there was a part of me that was it was just like teetering between staying out and going in but it just kept snowing all night so by the time we got back it still took us a half an hour to get back from the light rail, even though like that drive there is maybe ten minutes tops. But the the lift we caught with the uh, with the girl at the very end was actually pretty fun because she was very like conversational and just trying to keep us company while we're we're just freezing and she's driving real safe. It's like a half hour. Like it just the road sucked and it did not let up until about maybe three a.m. and then I wake up at ten the next day. Roads are completely dry. They're just wet. Yeah, I know. It was like, I hated it. I had to go do some errands the next day, too. And yeah, one o'clock. I'm like, cool, my car's... All the snow's melted off my car. That I drove home from your place. And then I was going to go... I was going to get something to eat after we all got... Like, when we got home. And then uh, I'm like, I'm going to have this door dashed. 
And uh, my DoorDash came pretty quick because I don't think anyone was out there. But yeah. man, oh man, it was it was once again fun fun night. But oh man, the travel down and back, the walking in the snow in a, in the in like our in our in our outfits we had was a uh, was pretty uh it was pretty good. It was a good time though. It was a good time. Oh yeah, no. I had a lot of fun, man. The only thing that I hate is when I came back, I had to go and change my shoes and I was still slipping. Yeah. yeah. It was just it was just terrible trying to get anywhere uh that night. Oh yeah, Marcelo like, Marcel, the sidewalk almost beat Marcelo like five or six times. Yeah, like even <laughs> when we're standing still, it was just like Ugh. Oh, but y'all y'all know how it is with the when the weather gets real ass, but Oh yeah. And it's that snow that's not like it's not sticking to the ground. It's only sticking because it's wet and it's sticking to other snow and it just clumps up and it, it you just, you can't step on it and you're just screwed. Hated it so much. That was just the, that was the worst part was, uh, was us just trying to get home, but otherwise fun night. Um, yeah, we were just doing for some reason, just cause the show was pretty serious for the story that they had. But then at the end, they're just like, hey, everybody's alive. Let's all dance to Sting's message in a bottle and break dance. You know, it's kind of like if you watch Schindler's List and then at the end, like, of the credits, they just started playing, like, don't you forget about me. And then you just see, like, people dancing and having fun behind the scenes. Yeah, I was going to, I was also going to say with the, uh, if you're, a, if you're a fan of the police, it's a great, it's a great, uh, time to go to the ballet because you'll love you'll know the songs you'll love the songs but i mean should we just should we break down the uh, synopsis of the uh, show real quick and then i'll explain a yeah, couple of songs. okay um so we'll, we'll get into the explanation of the ballet kind of what the story was i mean it's real i i was i'm able to tell the synopsis pretty much from my understanding within under five minutes but some of the song choice, like not song choices, but now I can't see the songs is nothing but super dark. After watching the ballet, for some of them, yeah, they were re-recorded, and a part of me was a little disappointed because I was wanting to hear the all the gruff and grime of like all these all these other songs. But I understand that they're just like, oh, it's a new thing for this year, so we have to re-record them, but. I don't know. I was kind of hoping for when you go back and you actually hear Roxanne or like well, uh, Roxanne's message in a bottle. Roxanne's always been a sad song, but mine was the "Don't Stand So Close to Me." That song, yeah, that one. I was like, oh god, that that's going to be rough for the rest of my life now because of what happens. But <laughs> so we'll uh, so we'll break it down because to be honest, we we didn't even read the synopsis till the halfway point on intermission. We're just kind of like, what'd you think of the story? What'd you get out of it? Because <laughs> I, just... I, was, I was like, well, let's guess on what it's about. Because, you know, yeah, let's see what happens kind of thing. And I only read the first half that we saw. I didn't read the second half. And then I just put, I put it together as the performance happened. Because for yeah. those of you that never been to a ballet or haven't seen a ballet, it's not like a play or musical. There are no spoken words. And then most of like, even in a regular ballet, there's even no, the music doesn't have words in them this just so happens to be a music uh you know the music's done by sting so all the lyrics are already out there for you so it's the performers are the ones that are actually telling the story through their for, through the dancing yeah um, and if you don't like sting and the police you just don't like music 
It's true. Uh, we were talking about how we wish it was the wrestler or <laughs> how we wish it was Sting. Oi, oi, bro, this is Sting. <laughs> oi, bro, is that your lady in the red light district? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know why he always says oi. You, you said that. Oh, I, dude, I, that I was, was doing I was doing oil all night. Yeah, you were doing oil all night. Like even if he's if he's like on his deathbed, it's oil, bro. <laughs> I need I you love, to hold. I love my, my family. I love my music. I love my bass guitar. Yeah, sting out, oil, bro. This is sting. We got message in a bottle coming up. It's it's a fantastic play. Oh yeah, that's what I did. I ended up turning into Paul McCartney, too. Because I was like, oh, Ringo. Like, I started doing every voice I could do. <laughs> every English voice ever. Yeah. I was trying my best. <laughs> uh, yeah. my I know sometimes, like, when I do accents for English people, it goes... Sometimes it goes Australian. Sometimes it goes to other parts of the UK. Because there's this one game that's called The Getaway on, like, classic PS2. And uh, I, I always could imitate the mob boss really well. But... It's like Charlie Johnson, oh my boy! <laughs> like, because he had that really thick accent. Let me see if I can find it. Hold on. Oh man, but it's a. Uh, it was fun, and after we find this voice, then we'll get right. We'll, we should do the. Uh, let's just get to the synopsis. If you can find it. Oh yeah, I'm finding it. I'm just trying. Where is it at? It's like a bald English gangster, too. Ah, here we go. Stop talking and start listening, Hammond. Yeah. Do we know for Stop talking and start listening, Hammond. It just sounds like Jason Statham. A little bit, yeah. Oi, this is stirring. But uh, anyways, so here's the synopsis. We live in a world where one person is forcibly displaced every two seconds as a result of conflict or persecution. In 2022, statistics sorry, statistics show that over 100 million people around the globe have been forced from their homes. More than 32 million of those people are A, are a and half of them are under 18 years old. I think, I think there's a misprint there. Maybe. <laughs> it did, yeah, it, it just says more than 32 million people, those people are a comma, and half of them are under 18 years old. Maybe it's abducted? Separated? A, a, a positive? AIDS? Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we are confronted by stories of displacement every day in newspapers, on television, and on our streets. We regularly hear about migrants fleeing oppressive regimes, but the focus is often on the catastrophic political infighting and violence we lose sight of the people effective. Message in a Bottle is an imagined story about one family. In a village in a country far away, the community live well and support each other. But when civil war breaks out of this ideal of, ideal of existence is devastated as the community is broken and homes destroyed. We follow the fortunes of a father, mother, and their three teenage children, Lido, Mati, and Tana, who face this brutal reality together. They are confronted with impossible choices in order to survive and must leave their homeland and undertake a perilous journey to safer shores. Along the way, they will be separated from each other and have to persevere alone. Inspired by the passionate 
uh, evocative and iconic music of Sting, Message in a Bottle is the universal story of loss, fear, survival, hope, and love. And then after that, it just runs down all the songs in Act 1 and Act 2. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much a whole a whole catalog and uh, of songs. I mean, we can list all, like, 30 of them we, they, they did, but... I mean, we'll we'll touch on it's just the story. The story was like it was super sad. Uh, you know, it started out super yeah, happy. Uh, Twenty eight songs. Yeah, close enough. See, I didn't have to look. I was like thirty. It made sense. Um, but twenty eight songs. Uh, but yeah, it starts off with mom, the mom and the dad, three kids. The older one falls in love with the girl in the village, and then they uh, they, yeah, they push them. To, they push them to talk to her. Yeah, they end up getting married, and soon after celebration, uh, bombs start going off. They end up killing the mom and the dad, and then no, the the dad the dad is the one that gets killed because the mom goes with is like with them and she drowns. Remember? Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Regardless, uh, <laughs> dad dies in the initial bombing at the wedding. Um, then the girls are in they like in the house when I guess uh, opposing soldiers or something. If you've uh, ever played Splinter Cell, Tom Clancy Splinter Cell, just a bunch of Sam Fishers came and and kidnapped her. Well, and this is where "Don't Stand So Close to Me." They try to take the they take they try to take the youngest daughter. I guess there's only one daughter, but they try to take the daughter. Um, but the wife, the bride, I should say, uh, sacrifices herself to being adult tra- or what is it? Uh, human trafficked, so she could save the the uh, the youngest or the daughter. And the whole song that I thought was like a happy song, don't stand so close to me, ends up being a uh, kidnapping and uh, selling people into human trafficking or child trafficking song. And I'm like, Jesus, I can never think of that song the same way again. Mm-hmm. It's a happy song. Oh, bro. Uh, so then, then what? They try to flee by boat on like a raft to like go somewhere safer, but it ends up capsizing. Yeah, pretty much, and everybody had life vests but the mom, and she ends up drowning. So then she dies when she's on shore. But then the three kids are taken to prison with, I guess, the rest of the villagers that go with them. Um, and then they start a, a jailhouse riot to message in a bottle, uh, which was awesome. I thought it was pretty cool. That was a good way to end Act 1. It was. Because you're like, oh, shit, because I think I was... I, I, my initial feeling was I cannot like why I have to end now. I want to see what happens next, which means they're doing a hell of a job. It, the performances were awesome. I think the dancers oh, yeah. did a hell of a job. It was awesome. Yep. And um, then we had a, a 20 minute intermission where I asked what smells like popcorn. You said popcorn. So I went and bought some popcorn. And then by the time I got the popcorn, couldn't uh, eat the popcorn. <laughs> I forgot about that too. I forgot what smells like popcorn. I'm like, probably popcorn, man. They're like, I don't <laughs> oh, know if you go out there and like, oh yeah, they got popcorn. I'm like, yeah, yeah dude, come on. It was stupid. They sold snacks, but you can't eat them in there. If you're going to drink, you have to have a lid. You have to have a sippy cup. I was well, I mean, kind of like mad. I was like, I want some popcorn. Well, I mean, it makes sense because, you know, they don't want to clean up the, all that shit in there. So I, I whatever. I thought it was fine. Uh, and then what else? Oh, you didn't have popcorn. I didn't. Um, I forgot. We saw the uh, guy who had a stove, stove, uh, stovepipe hat, like Abraham Lincoln, on yeah, President's, yeah. on President's Day weekend, which is pretty interesting. 
Yeah, and then he we, had the groundhog, uh, the groundhog day Puxatani Phil hat. He did, and like yeah, the Abraham Lincoln hat. And then uh, we had yep. his buddy who was wearing a crocodile Dundee hat, which was really out of place. Those hats are just too tall, man. Like that that hat plays point guard for the Clippers. Oh, and then we got the the broads in our section who are like, "You ready, fellas? The party section. We're gonna we're gonna we're we're gonna get wild up here." We're like, "All right, cool." <laughs> and then they ended up scooting down. <laughs> did you did you see that? I did. Yeah. I, probably because they couldn't see, but I'm like, I don't understand how they can't see. But uh, yeah, it was like it, only four. It was only us and two other people in our section. It was kind they, of nice, but it, it was like, man, I thought there'd be they a little more. Yeah, they weren't even sitting next to us. They were behind us, so obviously they had an advantage because they were a row up. So yeah. they could see over us, but they ended up moving down like three seats, and we're like, and I'm just like, all right, I guess it's not the party section anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the fear for your life section. It was. Um, I mean, we then we come back to uh, from intermission, and then the story goes on, uh, where they're really the they're in the prison and they're releasing the prisoners. Uh, but they, they're each giving up, I think like jewelry or they're giving up some, like a, an heirloom or something in order to get out of prison. They're giving it to the, the guards. Yeah. So they, pretty much, pretty much like one by one, they get set free for their freedom after giving up something. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what this, I mean, you have the, the playbill right there, but the, the daughter gives up something and, uh, I think it's like what is it, like immigrant or alien in New York or something is the song. So I thought she actually like went to New York City or something because oh, it's, she, it's right here, ET in New York. Oh, ET in New York. That's no, Englishman in New York. Oh, Englishman in New York. So I thought she actually went to New York and because uh, she what she was adopted uh, like adopted by a group of girls or women or something. Yeah. What was cool was when they showed these the three different. Um, releases. Yeah, they had different colors. One was green, one was red, one was blue. The first one was the daughter, and it was green. And yeah, she kind of like found her own people that are like a. I, I don't think they were all uh, women. It, it, I think that a couple were guys, but it was just kind of like a happy commune where she finally found some peace and happiness and joy. Yeah, and then the middle. I think it's a middle son. He's released, and he's like outside of a like a bar or a nightclub or something. And he's trying to yeah, dance, he's, but he's trying to find someone to dance with, and everyone would re- rejects him. And the owner bans him from the bar or kicks him out because he smells. Is that really what it is? No. Okay, I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, if that's what it is, maybe he hasn't been able to shower. He's been in prison, but then he ends up finding a partner, a life partner, and uh, they're happy. Yeah, he and, can't. Yeah, because like he can't sleep without his because of the memories of the bombs dropping. And his wife getting kidnapped is still in his mind. Because remember, it had the beds oh, not, too big without you. No, not that one. The the blue guy, not not the, oh the blue guy. Yeah, the blue guy was like outside the. Remember, everyone had a partner but him. And then when oh, he tried yeah, to dance, yeah, yeah. he pushed and away. He, he finds love with uh with like a his, prince with his life somebody partner. who's different yeah. social stature. Yeah, yeah. The guy saw that he had a good heart, and he ended up like, I want to be with him. Yeah, and then. Uh, yeah, then our, our, uh, the husband, the oldest brother, uh, does not want to give up his thing. So he's beaten up and then thrown out of the prison. I'm assuming he stays in the country that's war torn. Then, yeah, like Marcelo said, he can't sleep without his wife 
he keeps seeing he has PTSD of seeing the bombs drop. He, which I thought was a real cool, really cool. Uh, it was like, like choreography, how they did like the whole dancing in the bed type of thing. Yeah, they had some cool visual effects. I got to say, because when they showed the bombs going off, it was just like a big old bright like white light, and everybody on the stage was obviously looking at the white light, and you could you could buy into it, which was really awesome. I really was like, okay, I could buy into this. Yeah, um, and then from there, yeah, he can't sleep well. So then, yeah, he goes to the red light district probably to get his mind off of things and off of his wife. And then, obviously, this is where you get Roxanne. I knew we were going to get something like this. I mean, once the woman was kidnapped, I'm like, all right, Roxanne's definitely going to be. There's no uh, metaphor for this. This is going to be like a straightly direct song when it comes to Roxanne. Yeah. And uh, it was. It turns out the woman he was dancing with was his long lost wife the whole time. And uh, she was. I don't know how do you, how do we put it nicely? She's you know working the red light district, I suppose. And She's uh, a and uh, he, like, here's the thing that pissed me off about that: like he was mad at her for doing it, but she was abducted. Like after the song was over, how he kept like pushing her away and like avoiding her, and then the yeah. soldier stepped in. It was like, why are you mad at her, dude? You know she got abducted, but it's her fault. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that's how it felt. And then they ended up making up, and like she ran away, or he bought him out, bought her out, or I don't know how she got free, but she did. And they were happy together again. And then the ballet kind of ends. They they yeah, have and then a, they re uh, they re sang Fields of Gold, but uh, more softer and silenter, like the same one that they sang at their wedding. Yeah, and they uh, and the end the end dance is. The three siblings dancing together. However, Marcelo said one's in blue light, green light, and red light. Yeah, it's kind of like they're still apart and torn away from each other, but they found happiness into the places that they ended up. And the only and the, the, the and kind the of the middle brother. Oh, oh go sorry. ahead. No, no, no. Please, please, please. No, I was just gonna say yeah, because the middle brother found love with the guy. The the sister. Uh, found love and joy in the commune, and then the guy reunited with the older brother. Found reunited with his wife and, and so it's uh, like they're still apart but they're they kind of uh they're the song was i think it's they yeah they dance alone is what it ends with and it's just about like they're still apart but to be honest i think it's kind of you know going with the whole love is endless one day and that they're probably gonna find each other another day i mean hell you have the 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 middle brother who found love with that one guy and the social stature there, he could fund an expedition in trying to find him, you know? I mean, there's that. I think it ends, I think it ends way more, more sad than what, that's my takeaway from it. I think it ends way more sad the, with the final dance um, before the, they're split into their three lights. They all start off at the, uh, the original like kitchen table, you know, with the mom and the dad. And, and then slowly they, are each in their own light when they're dancing together. And then the only thing that kind of brings them together are the memories they had of each other. And that from that moment forward, they're all on their own. That was my takeaway. Sure. They're happy in their own lives, but they will be separated and it'll be one in a million that they ever see each other again. That was my perspective on it. I thought it was way more sad than there's hope. I think that, I think that they found their happiness in the end. 
that's the only happiness they're going to have. But when it comes to reuniting, no. I think that's what the dance was supposed to represent, in my opinion. Yeah, well, the the end right here just says they dance alone. One day we'll dance on their graves. One day we'll sing our freedom. One day we'll laugh in our joy and we'll dance. So I I think it was just that they found some sort of peace out of all of this that they were just thrown into. Yeah. And I mean, once again, this isn't a happy, it wasn't a happy story. No matter how great the songs were, they were, I mean, now, like I said, now some of those songs. It's a lighthearted, jovial romp. Yeah, I'm like, that's how it sounded. But then when you're watching it and you read the synopsis, it's like, it's sad. It's real sad. But it it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. The story I enjoyed. The um, the dancing was terrific. And then, you know, after you um, after you realize that these uh, migrants are now orphans and they um, essentially just probably alone for the rest of their lives, let's all dance to a message in a bottle. I mean, that was just the Keep end. That was happy. That was just the end. Yeah, because you need to you need to go out. <laughs> We ha- they ended up having three curtain calls, which was crazy. We were, we were standing and clapping the whole time, dude. Oh yeah. So yeah, they came out. They <laughs> came out about twice. Just... Go ahead. Oh no, it was just like you're you're involved in civil war. Yeah, see, it's the shit like that we were doing the whole walk back <laughs> to the train in the snow. <laughs> LOL, your mom has died. LOL, your dad has died. You had to pay your wife for sex. <laughs> no refunds, her pimp will her pimp will cry. Uh, you'll never see your siblings again. <laughs> Torn apart by civil war. Torn apart by civil war. Take my life vest, but I can't swim. (laughs) We should have learned how to swim. Oh. Man. What a good show, though. I had fun. I want to do it again. Yeah, if it's, uh, if, uh, if you happen to see Message in a Bottle pop up near you, go check it out. Get some cheap seats and go and make a day, like it, or go and make a night, because it's. Uh, I recommend it. Like it was, song selection was good. Just the the dancing was terrific. Like pretty much, like almost everything about it was was top fucking notch. It was real awesome. It was a real good thing. I think we, me and you, are going to be doing that a lot more. Which means we might be doing a, a couple more ballet reviews on here. Who knows. But. We may, yeah. I was telling you about one play where it's called The Play That Goes Wrong, which uh, we may go see next month. If so, we'll talk about it. But um, Stay tuned. Yeah, no, no promises with that. But I think we might be doing some more uh, uh, like performing arts reviews. That'd yep. be kind of cool. And, and, and different stuff. Um, but, you know, who knows? We'll, we may go the Frasier route and just end up going to... to <laughs> I don't know. Most pretentious shit ever. Oh, okay. I was also going to say... Did you say Seattle? I thought he was in Seattle. I thought he went from Boston to Seattle. 
He is. Well, go ahead, Jack. Like you said, go the Frazier route. Somebody like, what moved to Seattle, but um, no, uh, something. Uh, I hate to end the show on a somber note, even more somber. You know, we something more tragic than the um, the unrest and civil war that breaks up a family and kills families and drives them apart to never see each other again. Uh, is a Madam Web, which we both yeah. saw this past weekend. Don't and, feel uh, bad for for that, those uh, people torn apart by civil war. Feel bad for us. We're the heroes here. We are, dude. Uh, I we are. My my I, uncle's I, a former marine, and he thanked me for going to see this movie. It was. It's terrible. It's a sacrifice we were willing to do for the show. Uh, in it wasn't even for the show, but we have to bring it up because our sacrifice can't go unacknowledged. Uh, we wasted our time, our money. And uh, we gave we gave our money away to people that truly do not deserve it. Uh, with with uh, Madam Web, um, Sydney Sweeney cannot save it. The story's ass. It's boring. Uh, the Morbius dance scene was better than the dance scene in Madam Web. Uh, the Matt Smith dance scene in Morbius was better than the uh, diner dance scene in Madam Web, in my opinion. Um, in uh, Peru gets a bad rap from this movie. Uh, I feel bad for the citizens of Peru. Um, what else happened? And you, and you still, as much as you're saying about this now, you still rated it higher than I did. So you enjoyed yourself more than I did. Okay. One and a half. Okay. See folks. Okay. We have different criteria, but I, I, well, because it did make, I told you, it made me laugh just as much as Paul Blart mall cop too. Um, I got a couple chuckles. That's why I gave him that half star. Because there were some things that I genuinely did laugh at, not like I'm laughing out of pain. Uh, it was like, eh, this is kind of funny. <laughs> oh, like, God, you're killing me. Um, but, oh, man. They're setting this. They set that movie up. God, it, it is yeah, just my- like volleyball. We're like, all right, I'm going to set this. You're going to spike it down, all right? It's like if someone sets it up and then the other people just let it fall to the ground on their side. And yeah, the other team wins the game. It's like, what the fuck did I just watch? This was uh, co-written by the same guys who did Morbius. But um, my review was the uh, best part of the movie was 20 minutes after I left and passed by a group of kids holding signs that said honk for Jesus. Then I went and ate chicken strips. One yeah, star. I saw that and I thought that was pretty good. Uh, did I leave a review? I did leave a review. I put, <laughs> if I could unlock my full of uh, potential like Cassie did. I'm going to go back to the moment I decided to watch this movie and make sure I actually watch something else. <laughs> it was, uh, oh God. Okay, so I'm going to try and summarize this movie as quickly as I can. You can. You could probably do it in five, six sentences. Probably. Pretty much she accidentally drowns in a lake. She starts <laughs> seeing the future. Um... She sees the future of this guy who stole a spider from her mom and uh, is killing these three young women who are trying to kill him. In the future. In the future. So then she goes and finds these girls and abducts them. Kidnaps them. To save them. Um, And then the movie ends with uh, a Pepsi Cola factory uh, blowing up. With fireworks. that's it. Yeah. And that's it. You don't get anybody in their super suits. And then Madam Webb is in, I'm sorry, uh, whatever the hell her name is, Dakota Absolutely. Johnson. Yeah. 
that she's, she's in like a Professor X wheelchair at the end and I guess lost her sight. And she has Kanye West glasses. Yeah, she has Kanye West glasses. Thank you. But like, she has fucking data from Star Trek glasses. Oh, there you go. That's even better. Yeah. It's um it's like those thin pencil oh, and, they, and the girls she kidnaps all become her roommates. Yeah, and this movie was like a weird yeah, that was <laughs> you're gonna pay our you're gonna pay my rent and take care of me now because I saved you. You're welcome. I mean there's a big spoiler kind of at the end. Do we say it or no? Do we just let yeah, it ride? Do it. No. All right. It. So spoilers now, but I mean the only part of this movie that's like where the fuck are they even trying to go with this? Uh, Peter Parker is born. And uh, that's it. That's oh, yeah. Mary Parker's in it for no no reason at all. It's like the movie is trying to convince. So, okay. So here's the thing with this movie and Marvel movies. Technically, Sony bought the rights to Marvel characters back when Spider-Man uh, had first came out in like 05. The whole rule was they bought a bunch of characters that they thought no no one would like ever give a fuck about so they took spider-man because marvel was going bankrupt and marvel's like we're trying to sell off our stuff so we could make money to stay in business sony bought spider-man from them marvel did it under the condition that they would um also take a bunch of other side characters so that way you know they can like recoup some losses stay afloat sony agreed to this on the condition that they get to keep the rights for Spider-Man, I believe, in perpetuity, so long as they make a Spider-Man movie every so many years. So um, so it's pretty much they own the rights to all these side characters that are never going to get the regular Marvel Sony treatment. So now that Marvel has hit it big with all these characters that they can prove work, even if they're Z-list, kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy was, that... Um, Sony's now trying to do their own thing with that, but with nobody involved from Marvel except the Marvel name, and they're trying to convince people that this is Marvel movies. Now, when they get the people on there, the whole thing is they're trying to convince the audience that they're part of the bigger universe of Marvel without saying it. So I believe that the whole reason Mary Parker's in here is just because we don't... Oh yeah, and also Uncle Ben's in this movie for no reason. Yep. But the whole thing is they're trying to well, elude that this is, this is connected with the Spider-Man movies that Marvel made of Homecoming, No Way Home, stuff like that. So that way you can do – that way they'll be like, oh, this is part of this. It's, it's Spider-Man, baby. You know, well, like when your uncle or aunt is just like, did you see that new Spider-Man movie but she's a girl? I mean, there is that. Uh, there are other – I mean, we have like the one success was the first Venom, I think. Um, well, and again, pretty much the whole thing about it is just that they're trying to convince themselves as well as other people that were stuck in 06 back when the internet was still kind of fairly new and people didn't have the internet to look up like, oh, this isn't connected with Marvel or anything like that. Like they're trying to stupefy their audience into believing that this is connected with Marvel when all you need to do is a five second Google search and you'll realize that it isn't. So it's literally just like, Okay, we can't have Aunt May, but you know who we can have? Fucking Uncle Ben. Get some rice over here right now and get uh, <laughs> Adam something. He's coming right here. We have him. He's going to get his own movie. You know what? Five films. Franchise right now. Well, see, this you know, is, that's why. This is, this, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, this is what I don't get either about this whole, yeah. like, what they're trying to do. So, like, it's it's all Spider-Man villains, right? So we have Venom. We have the second Venom. 
We had Morbius. We're going to get Craven the Hunter later this year. We have Madam Web. But the only ones that are doing well are uh, the, what is it, the Spider-Verse movies, the uh, Miles Morales. Oh, yeah, no, because they're completely disconnected, and Sony's just like, it's animated, nobody gives two shits. Except for everyone cares. Everyone loves those movies. No, I know, but they're focusing on the fact that they want to have their own, like, ever since Marvel was successful, everyone tried to do their own multi-universe of everything, but they didn't realize that in order to start a universe, you have to actually start out with good movies. Like, they didn't figure that out. So they would push movies pushed by people who just are not good at writing. Or for instance, in this movie, it's a directorial debut debut of somebody. And they're just like, here's 80 to 100 million. You're going to direct the movie exactly the way we want. And not to mention that the Sony verse is being run by one of the producers from the original Spider-Man. But that guy's kind of out of his mind because let me see if I could find something about his name's Avi Arad. Hmm. Uh, let me see. He there was something about him. I'm trying to trying to figure it out. So give me a sec. Oh yeah, so the specific grudge that people have against him, specifically Sam Raimi fans who directed the the Spider Man's with Tobey Maguire, he insisted on Raimi including Venom in Spider Man three when he was only interested. And when they only wanted to have just Sandman and Harry on top of not being very interested in Venom as a character. So it resulted in Spider-Man 3 feeling crowded and, you know, just not really that good of a movie, especially as good as 2 was. And it led to the cancellation of Spider-Man 4. He was also involved with the amazing Spider-Man films with uh, Garfield and how those movies were just a clusterfuck of a mess. And uh, again, like. The whole thing was nobody understands that to create a universe, you have to start out with good to great movies like DC. DC has floundered quite a bit, but their basis from starting everything was fucking the Batman movies. And then they're just like, we're going to start our own, but we're going to base it off of Superman. And then we're going to have Christopher Nolan as the producer on that. And you know, that that was kind of still around the time when it was just like, Oh, we're going to have all this. And then we could do this and this. And then like, instead of taking the steps necessary to when you can have an Avengers type movie to where everybody gets their own speaking lines, it was just like, let's just hurry up and get into it. Fuck it. And then just from man of steel, it just went Batman versus Superman. This is it. And like how you can't make that leap, especially when it's not Christian Bale, Batman, it's, it's just Ben Affleck, Batman, who hasn't even gotten a movie. And now he's getting a movie top build. It, it just, they, again, they went business sap. They went business to strike while the iron was hot instead of actually focusing on trying to build something from the ground up. And that's what that's why Marvel has such good faith now when it comes to people. Even though Marvel has gone downhill, people are still like, God, everything up to Infinity War was incredible. Everything up to Endgame was pretty incredible. Hell, even... Uh, no way home was to, you know, like it, it's just, they don't understand. You have to start out with good to great movies. And then from there, that's when you can start like, Oh, okay. Let's have all these multiverses and crap. 
Or if you go like the Lego movie did to when you make fun of everything, but try and be inclusive and celebrate it. That's the only way you can do it, but it has to be sort of a one-off. Because mm-hmm. Lego Movie Two, I quite enjoyed, but it didn't it didn't really do anything at the box office. That's another one they tried to start. Universal tried to start a monster movie franchise with the Mummy, and they had like fifteen different things going on. It was boring as shit. The uh, Tom Cruise one. Yeah, Russell Crowe was the Wolfman. Uh, the woman was the mummy. They were trying to, or no, I'm sorry, Russell Crowe was Jekyll and Hyde. They were trying to introduce Wolfman. Yeah, the, what's it called? Wasn't it called like the Wolfman in London or something? Something, yeah. And again, you can't, you just can't. I mean, jump I mean the, visible, the Invisible Man was good. Yeah, but you just can't jump 15 steps. Like you, you can't because you you alienate everybody. You're already introducing characters that, um people may know of, but at the same time, you already are not giving them footing to be what they are going to be part of this universe that you're creating. It's literally like you're creating a universe for one single movie. And, um, excuse me. If you notice the, the probably the only great DC film was Joker and people love Joker, but it's also like, he's the only one in that fucking movie. Like, Bruce Wayne is in there, I understand that, but it is just Joker for the most part. Yeah, by himself. Yeah, we'll see what they do going forward yeah, with the, uh, the second like one. That's, but. that's what I was hoping DC was going to do, something different than Marvel, because I was hoping that they were going to take established characters and essentially just go even wackier with them to where we give them single individualized movies, but they're their own sort of, like, odysseys of, of whatever. You know, like Joker having all of this, and then like eventually, once you build, like do all these single—I don't want to say low-budget movies, but more character-focused movies—then it's like, okay, well, what if we mashed this with this? Like we already have had this in here, so let's put Joker up against you know uh, Aquaman. Let's put fucking Joaquin Phoenix up against Aquaman. <laughs> you know, something like that. It wasn't just—and not to mention—in the thing that I liked about Marvel when it first started was they were trying to be inclusive enough to think about we have all of these superheroes sharing this one world, so they would have to come in to help each other. They, they stopped giving a fuck about that later. But when it first started in phase one, it mattered because even Daredevil was just about low city crimes in Hell's Kitchen. But then when it got to DC, DC was just kind of like, we don't care. When Suicide Squad came out, the whole world's about to end. There's no Superman uh, Batman's in there, but at the very end, it's like, how did they know that the world wasn't going to die? You just introduced a world with all of these fantastic superheroes, but nobody's coming to help save the world from this fucking demigod. It's just, it's only up to these people. I, I thought it was going to make some sense at the end that essentially Batman set it all up and it was just like a ploy to see how much they cared about the world. Cause if it did die, then essentially it would just kill off only New York city or something like that. Like I thought that that was going to be the whole thing. And you'd be like, Batman's an asshole, but no, it was just, it was just a, a typical hero movie that they put with the suicide squad and nothing mattered. And then they had to, it sucked so bad that they redid it years later. But apparently there's even like a, a, a cut of that that hasn't been released because Warner brothers, that's another thing all the companies want their own specific way of making these superhero movies done 
to where it's either their way or the highway. And when you get their way, you get shit like this of Madam Web. That's bringing it full circle. Yeah, man. Well, that's the thing about the superhero movies now. So it's, I think the trend, I hope, I'm hoping it's coming. Like they're fun and stuff, but I think like the, you know, mass audiences have been kind of trained that all these movies are going to be fun. They're connected. So you have to watch one or you're not going to understand the other one, you know? So people have been trained that way. But I think since they're doing so, they're doing so shit. It's like you really don't need to. You can just make a good superhero movie and just let it be. Exactly. Instead of, all right, well, if you don't watch this, well, then you can't watch Disney Plus. And if you don't watch this movie and Disney Plus, you're not going to get the big time movie that's coming out later this year anyhow. So you're a fucking, you're fucking lame for not uh, understanding uh, our creative uh, expertise. It's like, get the fuck and Deadpool's kind of hinting at that, but to be honest, Deadpool's always been extremely meta, so he he would explain everything. So from my understanding, I think, to be honest, this year, if I recall, I think Deadpool is the only movie slated for Marvel this year. It's Deadpool and Wolverine. Nice. Just because they're like, yeah, we want to scale back and focus on what made you know us good again. Because it seemed like they were building to Galactus... But then you had all these movies after Endgame where it felt like they were just introducing heroes, and it was like it was like after the after the sixth man on the All Star team. It's like nobody fucking cares. We got our starting five. That's it. Then it's then it's fucking Eduardo Nahara, um, <laughs> fucking you know Nick Van Exel on the bench. <laughs> We've got uh, um, we got Muggsy Bogues, you know, <laughs> at ninth. Uh, you just you start listing off all the G League players, <laughs> and it's and it just becomes like, man, we're we're really wasting our uh, our logo here, aren't we, guys? Maybe we should cut back a bit. No, no, no. Telling you, telling you right now that this uh, this Ben Schwartz kid, yeah, this Ben Schwartz kid, he's gonna he's gonna be up there with Michael Jordan. Like we're getting twelfth and thirteen men here. And it's not building to anything. Like there's not even building to them fighting. That's what sucks. It's just I thought it was going to build to just maybe they're creating their own civil war. Maybe everybody is trying to dictate how they want to do it, and maybe they're going to fight within their own factions of how they want to control worlds. And and then all of a sudden Galactus shows up, and then then they realize that they fight again, and then there's just a small bit of peace, but then nothing happens. So then. You know, Kang comes and just starts fucking up shit, and they realize, God, we can't ever have any diplomacy in this fucking world. See, just I, a thought. I wish, I wish they, you know, they're probably they're not going to keep Kang, but no, they probably will. It'll just be a different so? actor. Different actor. Yeah. Okay. They just happen to choose the one in this universe that's a uh, abuser. Man. Oh yeah. <laughs> can, you imagine, can you imagine? No, 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 no. The, the guy we casted was that was the abuser, but the this guy, this one here, he's this not. Jonathan Majors is good. This Jonathan Majors is a is a stellar stellar guy. He's a nice guy. He played. Uh, he was in Devotion. I'm trying to think of the of the pilot he played. <laughs> he, was in, he was in Devotion, and uh, you know he tried saving that white guy, and that white guy died. Oh man. But yeah, I um 
fucking Jonathan Majors. He literally had it all, and, and he fucked himself hard. Ah. Well, and, that's that's anyways. a story for another time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, enough of that. Um, but no, I mean, I I've got nothing else. I I don't want to talk about Madam. It's it's Madam Web is just terrible. Like it's legit, just so generic. A lot of the things it does doesn't make sense. It's a big old Pepsi ad. There's like eight or ten ads for Pepsi. There's shit that doesn't make sense. There's a explode. There's a factory full of explosives that apparently is in a Pepsi Cola factory. That we go back to the ending. <laughs> um, I mean the. The, yeah, she, you had you had told me she steals a taxi. That nobody cares about this. Well, yeah, because it's okay, okay, okay. Do you, do you see how she stole it? How the the driver was like, "Hey, get back here." And that was the end of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like all right, we're just gonna pretend like. And then she she's driving across the city. They know she's in a cab. She kidnapped girls. They know what her name is. They know the the taxi's license plate number. That, she's driving to I... the city, to the city, to the diner in the forest. <laughs> it's just like is no one pulling okay. her over? That like, made oh. me mad. I know O three was like a while ago, but at the same time, like this movie I, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. She gets so she gets the girls, she leaves and then goes to a taxi. Then this happens within maybe like would you say fifteen, twenty minutes? Like let's just say movie world time. Like fifteen, twenty minutes within that movie's world, correct? Okay. What, from when that happens to when she gets the them to when she gets the taxi and they're on their way in the world, yeah, about that. Okay. They find they find a paper in the back seat, and this paper newspapers were not that quick. Newspapers have never been that quick. Oh yeah, the paper it shows her and the girls that are kidnapped. So in twenty in twenty minutes, in they 20 have the minutes, paper, and the, and the taxi <laughs> driver throws the paper in the back seat. Yeah, in 20 minutes, all that's happening. And then not to mention that it literally defies its own stupid logic of of her saying, if you notice he's climbing on his wall, on his, the walls with his hands. Two seconds later, it shows him walking upside down on the fucking wall. Yeah, that's what, okay. I, maybe that, I think we had that conversation outside of the podcast. Because I was like, the only super powers that Spider-Man has is he can jump and he can crawl on walls. Yeah. No webs. Uh, he can punch people hard. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, okay, this guy's a this guy's a tool. <laughs> the main bad so- guy's motive doesn't make sense. Literally, he the whole thing was he stole the spider that her mom finds within the first five minutes and says, I need this for a better life. But then he somehow goes to New York and has a better life and still kept the spider? Like, he didn't sell it? Yeah. Like, none of it makes no fucking sense. And then the ADR on this movie was terrible. Like, half of this fucking movie was done in ADR to where it doesn't match up with anything that they're saying. It's it's just you see people saying, I want pork. And then this guy's going on a tangent about his life in Peru. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the ADR is some of the worst I've ever seen in any movie well it's over now it can't hurt us anymore i doubt that oh <laughs> uh, well all right Wh- I think, watch uh, i'm gonna get i'm gonna get asked to fucking write madam web too 
Dude, if you do, I'll be the first one to go see it. Cool. I'm going to be the first one to die by suicide from that one. (laughs) (laughs) Not if I bring you back. Not if I had the foresight to stop you. (laughs) It was, uh, yeah, don't see it. That's all I'll say is is don't see it. You can watch clips to see how bad it is. If you can survive those clips, maybe you could go watch it. I'll be honest. The one thing that I liked about it, soundtrack. Uh, I quite like the soundtrack. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. But uh but everything else about it was just god awful. It does not it literally was just somebody said, Hey, I have eighty million dollars. Some guys like, Hey, I wrote a generic studio a superhero script. Hey, you know, let's mix them together. See what we get. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just don't see it. Yeah. Well, all right, folks. Well, we appreciate listening to us this week. Um Next week, I believe we start our. Are we starting our uh, back in time pre nineteen seventy? Yeah. yeah, nothing above nineteen seventy. We'll start with um, yours. Okay, we are going to do. So I'll ask you right now. Whichever one we don't do will be done the next week. But the two movies that I have are The Killing and Seven Samurai. Yeah, let's and do The seven. Killing is a brisk ninety minutes. Seven Samurai is about like three and a half hours. Jesus. Uh, well, you've been talking a lot about Seven Samurai. Would you, do you think that'll be a good one to start off on? Sure. Both All right. are great. Then that's what we will uh, do. You heard it here, guys. Seven Samurai next week. Y'all just wait. I I love this movie. and I, I've only saw it for like the first time like seven, oh. eight months ago, but I've seen it already like three or four times. Like I legitimately love this movie. Uh, what year? Um, I think it's 54. Since it's pre-1970. Yeah, let me check. It, and I don't have my movies quite yet. I'm just finalizing some things. Yep, 1954. Okay. Um, There's also going to be a ton of most likely trivia from yours truly, just because I was telling Alex the first couple times I watched it how the movie was so good that Hollywood essentially remade it into The Magnificent Seven, which had its own little remake back in, I think, like 2012 with Chris Pratt and Denzel. And that's all based on Seven Samurai? Um, yeah, so Seven Samurai did so well, like, in Japan. Americans loved it, but because Americans were so... I think xenophobic's the word? Sure. But um, let me just make sure I'm using that word properly. Hold on. They don't like immigrants? That's what xenophobic is. Yep, that's it. Uh, But because pretty much a lot of 1950s Hollywood was very xenophobic, it's um, pretty much what they did was, I like this movie, but let's make it American. And then they did The Magnificent Seven. Gotcha. Um, And then, you know, later they remade it with Denzel and all that and had its own thing. But of course, it's a, a, they're trying to save a farm. And in this movie, they're just, they're trying to save a village from these bandits who, it's, it's literally just the same fucking movie. But they're just like, let's Americanize this shit up. Like, there's even um, two versions of uh, of this. <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> but, um, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> Hold Are on, you I'm good, sorry. Bro? Like, we could we no, just not right all. here. <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, oh, I just had some sunflower kernels. One got literally just stuck in my throat. Um, there's a movie that's called uh, The Three Guys, came out in 36, that they remade later, 
1943, which had um, which had John Wayne in it. And then, if I recall, I believe that they remade that in Tokyo under Tokyo Godfathers, unless I am not. Uh... Yeah, so there, so there was a silent movie in 1916 called The Three Godfathers. They remade it in 36 called Three Godfathers, and then they remade that later as Three Godfathers, <laughs> which is a Western with uh, John Wayne and Harry Carey Jr. <laughs> no, oh, okay. It's an, oh he, Henry Carey. No, it's Harry Carey Jr. Is what it? Not like Cubs Harry Carey. Oh, it's an old Western guy named Harry Carey. I'm sorry. Oh my, my brain! Was, <laughs> my brain was going off in so many damn directions. But yeah, there's there's also like a yeah. So anyways, Tokyo Godfathers is an 03 anime remake of Three Godfathers, but modernized for Japan, if I recall. And then there's even, like, a Japan remake of uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Which came out, I think, like, 06 or something. But, uh, anyways, sorry, my brain was going to, like, Harry Carey from The, the Cubs. No, I, <laughs> I understand. Hi! <laughs> hey! Hi, John Wayne! How you doing? Well, all right. I think we should just end it there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm excited. Anyway, sorry. You've, been ta- you've been talking about this movie for so long. I'm excited to see it. No, yeah. This is legitimately, like, it's it's uh, it's seriously in, like, my top five, if not my top three. I enjoy the hell out of this movie. And right. there's, like, so much to discuss and talk about. I'm actually excited to get your take, because I know that I know that you're more American history, but I do want to get your take on, um, you know, on just the whole like historical aspect of it. Cause apparently they were trying to be as historically accurate as they could, where they could be. Yeah. If it's feudal, if it is feudal Japan, I know the basics. I don't know too much, but we'll, we'll find out after I, I thought you were going to say Beetlejuice Japan. Yeah, definitely Beetlejuice. <laughs> It's Beetlejuice Japan. I know a little bit. No, yeah, feudal, not Beetlejuice. <laughs> you gonna say Beetlejuice? My brain. Oh, but it's time, time to wrap it up. All right, folks, you can follow us on Instagram at Shovelbox Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at AlexWales92 and on Letterbox at AlexV1021. Yeah, I'm at uh, I'm at Crow303 everywhere. All right, folks, uh, thanks for listening this week. Have a good week. Have a fun week. Have a safe week. We will talk to you next time. See you then. Bye. So long and good night, folks. That's what's happening with the Big Dog and Shufflebox. And as the Rogue Man says, now here's what's happening in your neck of the woods.